Hola, buenos dias, or good afternoon, or evening, where, depending on wherever you are at the moment. Hello, welcome to From the Ground Up. It's our special edition, season four finale. Now we're doing something new that I've never done before, so we'll see how it goes. I'm Carmen Milagro, and like most of my guests, I wear multiple hats, and I've got multiple tech giants here today, which makes me beyond the shadow of a doubt, the absolute least techie person in the group. So this should be interesting. Now, for those of you who don't know me, before I introduce you to the guest tech, the guests who are the tech giants, let me share with you just a little bit about myself. I'm a master certified wellness and CBD coach and consultant, an author, a speaker, and the founder at Davina Botanicals. I'm also the host of another show you may have heard of called Wellness 360 with Carmen Milagro, and I double as the Director of Talent Acquisition for Expandi TV. I'm the co-founder in CBD University Mexico, and last but not least, the Pacific Northwest Health and Wellness Director for HLX Plus, a nonprofit that is very dear to my heart. Now, I consider myself an entrepreneurist, and today I'm not only hosting the show, but I'm conducting a round-robin interview with some of the tech industry's most successful and mission-driven entrepreneurs and CEOs, and I like to call them tech titans. And the idea of the season finale is really based on the concept of, if I were having a dinner party, who would I invite? And how would I introduce them to one another? Because from where I'm sitting, they're all doing extraordinary and valuable work to create opportunities for those who need them the most. They are titans who lead with their hearts. And that's why I consider each and every one of them my friend. So I'm pretty lucky. And here are the rules of engagement. I'm going to bring out each of the Titans one at a time in alphabetical order, and they're each going to introduce each other as a way to get to know one another. And then I'll bring that first you know, Titan on, and then he'll introduce the next Titan, and so on and so on, until the last Titan will get to introduce the first Titan. Does that make sense? Okay. Once everyone's joined us, then I'm going to ask one question per Titan that another Titan submitted, and that I do randomly from a hat and each Titan will have five minutes to reply. So this should put us at right around the perfect time to end the show with that last question. So everyone ready? Without further ado, please welcome our first Titan. And I've got to just find him here. So hold on a minute. This is what I meant by the production part of it. And ready, go. Hello, Carmen, how are you? Hello, G, how are you? Good, good. Um, well, I'm here in sunny San Diego right now. It's sunny. But more importantly, I'm really honored to be part of this Titan group. Um, and I do want to introduce the next Titan, um, who is now a great, who now in this digital universe is a new best friend of mine. And his name is Esco. Esco is the creator of proof of reception and whose uncle literally changed the entire world by inventing HDMI. If you haven't, if you haven't connected, 
or you're not in the digital world, you're, you should know what HDMI is. But ESCO is an expert in cross-border transactions, in finance, technology, infrastructure, media, as well as entertainment. Well, that's a mouthful. Upon completing his undergraduate studies at Wharton, he has structured various financing with leading global institutions and sourcing investments amounting to billions of dollars. In 2016, he became one of the first to globalize distributed ledger technology, or DLT. He's also co-chaired a number of iconic summits for United Nations, World Energy Forum, and other international communities, often invited by heads of state and trade ministries to guide their mandates. And in case you're wondering, ESCO stands for Every Situation Can Offer Hope. And that is why we're here, because he not only is a brilliant mind in this digital world, but he leads and he drives hope with his heart. So let's introduce ESCO. Welcome, Esco. Thank you for joining us. And who are you introducing today? Oh, hold on one second. There we go. Yep. Okay, Hello. thank you. How are you? Guillermo, thank you for such an amazing intro. And Carmen, thank you for hosting us. Um, the next tech titan I'm going to introduce is uh, Gerardo Portini Bacal. Um, he's a CEO and co-founder at Grupo Educación Mexico, a top edtech company uh, in the Latin Americas, whose educational efforts are focused on developing global digital learning centers, which provide students with the knowledge and skills they need to succeed in their professional as well as personal lives. Gerardo has a very clear mission to democratize education through technology. He is a highly sought after speaker with a few TEDx talks under his belt. He built speeches and lectures on five different continents. Uh, Gerardo has co-founded and leads 21 online schools and universities that teach everything from personal finance, culinary arts, life management, a nano MBA program, and much more including CBD University. And uh, similar to myself, uh, he loved to play golf. <laughs> and welcome, Gerardo. <laughs> thank you so much, Carmen, and thank you so much, Esco. I'm, I'm still looking forward uh, to our golf uh, round together. Uh, it's my honor today to introduce uh, Dr. Francisco Valle. He's currently the Chief Marketing Officer of Call for USA, this company is the only cell phone provider that combines a proprietary two-patent blockchain process for bankless money transfer capabilities at substantially lower prices. In the past, he has helped to launch startups. He's facilitated mergers and acquisitions, transactions, and divestitures. He applies his knowledge in AI, B2B, B2C, plus display advertising and social and digital media to increase sales, profits, margins, as well as brand product and service awareness. 
Dr. Valle is an expert at synergizing, leveraging, and integrating cross-functional assets for value creation and increased customer satisfaction, market share revenues and margins, specializing into the Spanish-speaking market. Dr. Valle completed corporate governance training at both Harvard Business School and UCLA. He holds a PhD in management and an executive certificate in strategy from Fairmont Graduate Universities, the Peter F. Drucker and Masatoshi Ito Graduate School of Management. Dr. Valle earned an MBA from California State University Fullerton and a BS in chemistry, pharmacy and biology in this city where I am right now, in Mexico City at Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México. Welcome, Dr. Francisco Valle. Thank you, uh, Gerardo. Uh, your kind introduction is much appreciated. And Carmen, I appreciate the opportunity to join this fantastic group. You know, it's amazing achievements here. And uh, I certainly, uh, you know, like to introduce to you Ed Vargas. Ed Vargas was a former leader of ERG at AT&T. He has spent 10 years in digital program management with AT&T's e-commerce group. Ed grew up in Silicon Valley before he became known as the tech capital of the world. Ed is an international speaker, author, and consultant with experience in the packaging, publishing, and telecommunications industry. And he also works with community groups that make a positive difference in our society. Ed has been active throughout his career in the areas of education, leadership programs, employee resource groups, representation, marketing communication, and strategic planning. Ed is passionate about the ethical and human use of tech for social good impacts. Forcing his family to attend college, he holds a BSc and a JD from Santa Clara University. Ed completed executive, executive management publishing program at Cornell and Northwestern Medieval School of Journalism. One of Ed's current roles is to serve as the Northwest Region President of H. LX Plus, a national 401c6 community impact group. Great, thank you. And Ed, welcome, welcome. Hi, Carmen. Hello, everybody. I'm really pleased to be part of this group. Um, my opportunity is to introduce an hermano, an hermano of mine, Yermo Diaz Jr. He's the former CIO at Cisco and founder of, and CEO of Conectado. It's a metaverse platform that's amazing. Uh, he's known to many of us as a transformative global business leader, champion of diversity, equity, and inclusion. He serves as chairman of the high-tech Hispanic Technology Council. He's on the board of directors for Blue Shield of California and Jack in the Box. G began his career in technology with the US Navy where he received a military scholarship that led to his Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration from Regis University in Colorado. He went on to hold technology leadership positions 
with some of Silicon Valley's most respected companies, including Silicon Graphics, Ingram Micro, and Alza Corporation. He's also won multiple awards, and they include Most Influential C-Suite Leader, Top Latino in C-Suite, and the Maestro Award for Top Industry Leadership. Well-deserved, I might add. I'm just um, amazed and, and uh, so happy to be a part of uh, G's Conectado team. Thank you. Well done, everyone. Thank you so much. I think I'm out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> we're, we're trying to keep up with you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, I love this. I hope someone's taking screenshots for later, right? Um, so I think we're going to just dive right into the questions. Um, and everyone can hear everyone okay, right? Is there any background noise that we need to get rid of? I think we're good. Okay. So the first question that I have is for you, G. And this was submitted. And the question is, what are some of the main hurdles to achieve mass metaverse adoption? And how can we overcome them? Well, okay, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, if you look back, and we have really great minds on this call, but if you look back even over the last couple of years where this term metaverse has really, really taken somewhat of a mainstream um, terminology, uh, it, it, it really has um, sort of quietly grown um, in, in, in ways that we probably are not you know, really thinking through yet. So, so when we think of metaverse, this company called Facebook changed their name to Meta. For a, for a particular reason, because they felt, and Mark Zuckerberg felt like the metaverse was gonna really be and take off with big impact. Um, but I think, you know, that, that was great, but I don't know that that was the sort of like the, the end all be all of metaverses. In fact, I think that that kind of has taken some, somewhat of a sidestep but what, what I don't know that we've fully realized is that it's really about gamification. It's about living in this, in this world where it's virtual, it's augmented, it's, it's the next internet. And if you think about gaming, uh, if you think about streaming and social, our communities, especially those that are underrepresented, are actually over-indexed on the use of those technologies. And if you look at overall entertainment, and probably ESCO has a, a great view on this, but if you look at overall entertainment, um, and, and I've really studied this a lot, gaming is the biggest source of entertainment, followed by things like box office and, and streaming media and those types of things. And you would think, wow, you know, most people are doing streaming or watching TV or whatever these new digital technologies, but it's actually gaming because if you think about the the size and 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 the the demographics using these technologies, I mean, they're they're games. And so what we've done in Conectado is actually built a gamified experience, not to go out and shoot anybody 
but to actually take somebody from the classroom through their journey, connect them to mentors and sponsors in this ecosystem and businesses that will ultimately hire them. So we want to take them from the classroom to their career and ultimately to the boardroom. So I think this, this quiet, you know, the, there's all these technologies put together in this new internet, whether you call it metaverse or whether you call it the, this new augmented virtual space, I think that's where, we, where we're gonna live. That's beautiful, thank you. And you know, if we have time at the end, I'm sure someone might have a question or two about that. So we'll we'll go around, and then if we have time, we'll go we'll do some questions. Um, so the next question just happens to coincidentally um, be for Esco. It's a two parter as well. Um, and Esco, if you could tell us in in five minutes or so, in what is proof of reception and how does it provide a better social impact consensus algorithm than proof of work or proof of stake models? Uh, great question. Once again, Carmen, um, you must be an expert at this. <laughs> uh, basically, um, basically proof of reception. Um, it's exactly, you know, what the name describes uh, proof of reception. The reception is the validation. So for us to kind of understand it at a high level, as we engage in discussion right now, we are self-validating information or data uh, between one another, uh, utilizing our own human intelligence. So we're using our eyes, ears, brain to validate uh, the words that are coming out of my mouth. We are storing it as a memory in our mind. And that storage uh, of value is something that we store as a memory. So similarly, what proof of reception does is at the simplest level, it allows us to use that type of human nature and that methodology in which we self-validate information and store it as a memory, but for all transactions. And um, it's kind of an abstract concept, but when you kind of break it down to different use cases, it becomes more apparent because there's so many third-party validators that are constantly getting in between our human relationships. So some of the areas that we've utilized our technology is in the world of charitable contributions. I'm sure you've donated to charities before, but unfortunately, a lot of our charitable contributions never reach their intended recipient. So POR now enables the actual people who are in need. Uh, we've done it with single mothers. We've done it with Ukrainian refugees and other people uh, that are in distress. They can reach out to a donor directly. They can self-validate the distress that they're in and they can enable the money from the donor not to go through an intermediary, which causes a delay, which causes an additional cost, which creates another inefficiency, which may never end up getting to the person in need. Now the receiver can self-validate you know, who they are um, as per the donor's request. And after that happens, um, the money flows directly between the donor's account and the recipient's account and there's no inefficiency of the previous method. Proof of reception is now plugged into over uh, 12,000 institutions. So you can literally plug in your personal bank account uh, into POR, and you can not only do charitable contributions, but another industry we got involved in was within entertainment, where there's a lot of content creators uh, who are not able to make a living despite 
generating all this content on social media and different streaming platforms. Right. Well, now they can get a bigger margin, you know, for their content by rather than going through once again these third-party validators going directly with their loyal fan base, transacting directly their content, whether it be music, film, art, whatever it is, and upon proof of reception of money from the fans account to the artist account, now that utility or, or, or digital content is released. And now we're expanding it into a lot of these different layers, including finance, where as an investor, I'm sure you know we've gone through a lot of headaches, whether it's like wire transfers or you know, doing due diligence on a particular investment or you know, kind of getting in the weeds of a lot of these intermediary processes. Well, now as an investor, I can customize my money for my bank account in terms of what type of assets I want to invest in. It can be a real estate, it could be a stock, it could be debt, it could be, you know, anything under the sun. And we can also customize, you know, I want to get this type of return on my money. It can be a certain uh, risk return adjusted profile. And now it goes through the entire ecosystem of assets around the world that are able to self-validate my money so that I have a seamless way of sending my money from my account to the counterparty who is the asset holder of real estate, of a stock, of some type of digital asset. And upon proof of reception of my money from my account to their account, now their asset is released to me. So I think you're kind of getting the hang of things of how POR works, but in all these scenarios, it's not a third party saying that the validation is valid, it's ourselves with the reception saying, I got what I wanted, I got it based on how I wanted it, and now the transaction's finished. And if you think about it, whenever you kind of go through your human experiences, you know, you've received a lot of value from different people in your life, and it's the one where you've received a lot of proof of reception, you know, those are the people you trust. So now we've, we've created a new paradigm online to parallel our physical experience where now we're not controlled by these third-party entities. Now, how is it different from proof of work and proof of stake? Even though proof of work and proof of stake uh, was kind of created with the advent of blockchain and decentralization, unfortunately, due to the blockchain trilemma, where you know the early founders of you know Ethereum, like Vitalik Buterin, they admit that over time, these validators, miners and stakers, they themselves will become another centralized entity. And that's exactly what has happened. You see validators uh, being owned by a handful of entities. Uh, so these companies now control these decentralized, quote unquote, that were supposed to be decentralized blockchains. You see a lack of scalability because these handful of validators can't handle all these transactions. And you see a lot of compromise with security because these validators, once again, are being compromised based on their kind of public uh, publishing of, of their respective private keys and accounts and so forth. So what where we kind of approach the consensus mechanism of blockchain, we're saying instead of a token, a crypto, an NFT, whatever it is, going through this third-party validator, now as I receive your value, as I said earlier, your token, your NFT, whatever it is, we call it a portion. My reception of that portion is what updates the blockchain, is what updates the database, is what updates the transaction going from you to me. So it's more kind of impactful in the sense that you don't have to be a miner where you have, you know, you're burning electricity, you're creating pollution. Uh, in this case, it's just simple code on your device, proves the reception, finalizes the transaction. In terms of proof of stake, where they have stakers and they have people that can 
manipulate the network based on how many tokens they own. Once again, that's not existent there. So wow. yeah, it's very technical, but long story short, the reception is the validation. You've received plenty of information from me, Carmen. I've uh, received a lot of uh, knowledge and a lot of uh, you know great memories from you. And that's exactly what we're doing now online. And with Guillermo, who's working in the metaverse, that is really kind of a native uh, validation protocol that allows us to operate just like we do in the real world where all our messages, you know, all our transactions, it's based on our reception. And then that's the finality and, and there's nothing else needed to that. Wow. Thank you, Esco. That is mind blowing to me. The, the parts that I get, I think are like an end user who is not a tech person. It already is mind blowing to me. And it feels to me like you're taking the concept of AI, but then bringing it back to HI. Yes. That's the human intelligence. So thank you. <laughs> um, I have question number three. Dr. Francisco Valle. Does the introduction of chat GPT, artificial intelligence systems, improve or threaten education? And what needs to be done to mitigate negative outcomes in the USA and other countries? Thank you, Carmen. That's a fantastic question. Uh, as Thank Scott you said, you know, you're you're an expert in all these areas. Yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> in, in any case, you know, this is a a, a, a really two-way part, two-part, you know, uh, question. First, let me talk about chat GPT, you know, and other generative AI technologies. Because chat, chat uh, GPT is just like a word processor, right? Like using Word versus Google or other uh, writing system. So this, uh, for me, is a great tool to use in the classroom. Indeed, I teach uh, strategic management and international business at Loyola and global marketing and strategy and UCLA. And I tell my students, you know, go ahead and use Chap GPT. The only thing, you're going to be responsible for any mistakes they are in your paper or whatever you want to do, okay? But also, they learn really quick. They they cannot do my assignments just using Chat GPT. Why? Because they have to apply their knowledge. And to do that, you know, you need to have knowledge. You need to have expertise. You know, you you need to have uh, wisdom. But in, importantly, you have to use your intuition, right? And the emotions. And Chat GPT doesn't do the last three. So on the other hand, you know, Chat GPT can certainly increase the productivity of anyone in education, regardless, uh, not only in a university setting, but learning, you know, through um, um, uh, streaming, for instance, right? or live presentations. Just using, uh, if we combine this Chat GPT type of instruction with what Guillermo was talking about, you know, it can be an incredible tool because it helps you to like research a topic instead of having to go, you know, and try individual um, source one by one. ChatGPT can do all that for you and give you the best ones, or well, at least the best one that ChatGPT can do. Then, you know, instead of taking days, you can do these things maybe in a day or half a day. Then you can go and apply your own resources, right? And check that. 
How good is that information? And then you can use this information to do the second part that's important, is creativity, all right? And, and that chat GPT, people call they are creative, yeah, but they, are, they can use, right? To produce results based on what is already there. But we are not talking about just producing what is already there, you know, as the examples that we've been talking about, is what can be next. And that is something chat GPT cannot do. On the other hand, Chat GPT can help us, right, to spend more time in what is next rather than looking at all the research because they can expedite the part. You know? And if we can spend more time in the creativity side, what is next, then I believe we can be more innovative and we can be more disruptive and we can be more transforming, you know, just like Scotch and Guillermo so far, you know, have talked about. And that's why I believe, you know, in chat GPT. The other thing, and school-wise, right? The difference is I'm not the type of professor that goes and, and uses the tools that we have available, like for McGraw-Hill or others, right? That they can allow us to do multiple choice questions in, in there, right? It would be very easy for me as a professor to help the computer do, you know, a multiple choice for these chapters, right? Select this one more or less have 50 questions whatever and then immediately respond no my questions are always you know related to something that's happening so chat gpt doesn't have the solution like for instance you know in my midterm in one class that uh, i'm teaching at um, loyola i just i give all the information i was like chat gpt for them all the data that they needed to answer two simple questions what should netflix do to you know, increase their market share. Because yeah, it's true that the profits of uh, Netflix have been going out, you know, but the, and the membership, I'm sorry, you know, has been going out. But in reality, it's not growing as much as the rest of the industry. So can Chap GPT answer that question? I don't think so, right? However, I give him all the Chap GPT access and data and everything. So that's what I was talking about. You have to be innovative, creative, and productive. And then on the other hand, the bad side, you know, based on your question is you can create fake news or you can create fake reports, right? That if you are very savvy in communicating with people like through social media or streaming, you can produce a lot of bad things, you know? And, and on the other hand, you know, the students can also produce fake, fake submissions, for instance. They are not theirs. But the most important thing that has happened lately, uh, a couple of lawyers are in deep trouble right now in the United States because they submitted to a judge, you know, a report based on fact GPT sustained sustained case. And the, and the judge found out that that thing was not right. So, you know, so again, you know, every tool that we have always created has been produced a good side, right? And then there's always some people that abuse it. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, obviously, these are lessons learned, no pun intended, right? Um, I have the next question to go to Ed. Ed, what was the major reason that led you to get involved in the realm of ERG, specifically in technology companies? And what's been your greatest achievement thus far? Oh, great. 
Well, let's see. I started with a company called Pacific Bell the year that they uh, were going to be acquired by SBC. So it was then it was SBC Pacific Bell. And then AT&T came on board by when they bought the, the long distance company and basically put together that telecommunications group. So within AT&T, I got involved with uh, the ERGs. So not only was I involved with the leadership within the Asemos organization, but I really saw the benefit of working with all the ERGs, as many as I could and still, you know, do the, the job that I needed to do for AT&T. So I was active in five ERGs. And to me, one of the drivers is that when I was doing consulting on my own, I could have a certain impact. But with ERGs, with corporations, with the size that AT&T had, we had over 11,000 members just within the Asemos organization. We had 41 chapters in the U.S. and a presence in Puerto Rico and Mexico. So to me, when we had a good idea, when we had a great impact at a local uh, area, like in the Bay Area, we would share that as a best practice, not only within our own ERG, but share that. And I would also volunteer with the other ERGs activities. So again, to have an exponential impact. So to me, it was always starting with credibility, having that credibility with a, a group that you've not worked with before builds trust. And if I've found that if I give respect to people, I get respect back. And that to me is just the real you know, backbone of developing, whether it's using something like the metaverse now to reach more people or, or using um, uh, ESCO's uh, uh, approach to bringing people together and, and changing the way we do business. Um, it's all, again, reflecting on how humans interact. So that opportunity for me, I've made lifelong friends that I still stay in touch with, with the AT&T organization. Uh, from my perspective, we can accomplish so much more when we do things together. Um, I'm <laughs> The latest thing I'm involved with now is that I was uh, contacted because unfortunately here in the Bay Area and across the country, there's things like Asian hate. And, and they said to me, there's a group now called Asians Are Strong based here in San Francisco. And they said, you know, what they really would like to do is to relate to people on a, on a, a human level and food is a great way to do that. And so they came up with this idea. They did it last year with the African-American community where they had a cookout mm -hmm. and they just got together at a community level. So they said they'd like to do something in the mission. And they reached out to me and they said, can you help me? Can we, can I help them, you know, put that together? So I reached out to Roberto Hernandez, who his nickname is the mayor of the mission. Right. Uh, and, and if they're familiar with the Bay Area, there's something called Carnival. He's been doing that now for 40 years. So, and he's very, very um, attuned to helping people. So I think, matter of fact, Carmen, you and I met when uh, we facilitated a truckload of Procter & Gamble products donated there at the Mission Food Hub. Yes. So to bring it around, to me, working with ERGs basically is working with people. And, and that to me is the core strength. So when we were focused on what we could do in Silicon Valley, in San Ramon, where I worked at, we created, I helped create something called High Tech Day. And so back in the day, we would invite local high school students to our facility, give them STEM workshops. And my role was to give them a handout that I put together called a career college planning guide. And I would sit down with 60, 80 kids 
at a time and talk to them and say, what do you see for yourself in five years? What's your vision? Then I'd walk them through, okay, now if that's your vision, what goals do you need to set yourself up for? Now to do that, you need to set objectives over a timeline. And then now, you know, when I went to college at Santa Clara, it was $22,000 a year for uh, undergraduate uh, uh, tuition. Now it's 62. So definitely you need a financial strategy. And what other strategies do you need to have in place to meet those objectives over that timeline? And then top down, that prioritizes where you need to spend your time. So I would walk them through that and it would really be inspiring to see the kids that got it. They'd wanna come up to me after that session and ask more questions. So I've always been looking at how we can use employee resource groups, technology, and I'm now involved with G's Conectado team. And it just uh, blows my mind to see how, what we helped develop back uh, 20 plus years ago, how where it's at now and how we can reach more kids using the Conectado platform. Wow, thank you, Ed. This is absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm so thrilled you're all here today. Thank you. Um, the last question that I have is for Gerardo, of course. Gerardo, you talk a lot about democratizing education for underrepresented community. And you've successfully, you're already doing that. You've been doing that for the last few years. How do you think entering into the metaverse can possibly help you further that mission? Well, first off, thank you so much, Carmen. I, as I always say, you are a rock star. And what the best rock stars do is bring people together. So I appreciate uh, you bringing us together, not only amongst each other, but uh, also with your audience, because that is the work of a, a true titan. So oh. thank you so much for that. And, I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In terms of um, democratizing education, we're really talking about two things. The first one is access, and the second one is quality right? And uh, one needs to come along with the other, right? So what Grupo Educación has been doing for, for the past uh, five years or so is trying to connect uh, the best experts around the world, right? In topics that uh, are usually not taught in an academic setting, like, uh, for example, as mentioned before, personal finance and nutrition and, you know, life management that people need to know to succeed in their personal and professional lives and, and bring those through technology to uh, basically different student communities in and across Latin America, right? So technology, what technology has allowed us to do is now, uh, first off, find the best teachers. And the best teachers might be or might not necessarily be in colleges and universities and schools, right? They might uh, be, as Guillermo says, in the boardrooms or in companies and in, or in foundations or in the government and have a lot of experience. So it's about identifying those and giving them um, the scale of not only being able to teach a, a 10 or 20 person class, but really, you know, uh, eliminating the barriers of, uh, you know, both uh, physics and geography 
and uh, enable them to, you know, grow uh, in, in an exponential rate. Um, coming into the second point, which is the quality of things, right? Um, what Guillermo is able uh, to propose and bring forward with the metaverse uh, is really an opportunity to enhance the quality of this education. This is something that we recognized very, very early on in Grupo Education. We were among the first companies in the world to create a, a full a diploma degree in a, a metaverse setting. We created our personal finance course for Oculus. And we've seen how when students uh, are able to interact, uh, gain experience from and simulate, you know, a real environment uh, through the metaverse, uh, the, the knowledge certainly does uh, three things. First, it enables them in a much larger degree to complete uh, their uh, study program, which is a huge uh, thing in online education. There's a massive completion rate uh, opportunity here. Secondly, it allows them to grow their knowledge and retain the information because it's, uh, the metaverse engages uh, with the different types of intelligence that people have, with visual intelligence, with uh, audio intelligence, you know, with, with different types of intelligence that people have, experiential, of course. And the third part is really uh, enable the knowledge uh, to create an impact on people's lives, right? Being able to carry it from the VR set or from the computer into their actual lives and uh, really uh, take that to another level. So I think that the impact that uh, the metaverse will cause on uh, democratizing education will be tremendous. It will increase its uh, quality. And uh, once uh, the access to the metaverse uh, has grown uh, for everybody to be able to access it, we're going to see a tremendous societal change where I think we're going to enable a lot of uh, the next uh, titans, not only on tech, but on you know, social impact and on uh, all of the different areas to, to grow and develop from all areas in Latin America and in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, my brain is going to explode after this, but thank you all. These were amazing. Just many, I feel like we had this mini session, mini seminar on, on each of these topics. Thanks to you. Um, believe it or not, we are right on time. Whew. I don't have to fire myself as a producer, um, but I thought we do have a few minutes. I do want to be mindful of all of your schedule. Um, I did ask you for an hour today, so, um, but I thought since we have a little bit of time, maybe you might have a question or two for each other and, and kind of free for all it. We just, I just want to be respectful of all of your time. So if anyone wants to ask a question, great. I, I, I don't want to, I don't know if it's a question, but I, I just think if you kind of just, you know, I think Gerardo hit it right on the head, Carmen, is you have really brought together kind of a threading. And I, in my world, I call it conectado, right? <laughs> it connected us in a way that this, you know, as I kind of heard the different stories that really resonated with me, 
um, about you know how all of these things fit together and how um, I think Gerardo really brought it home for me because he talked about access and quality and it's not just about you know what we think as hey I'm going to go get a degree or I'm going to go get a a skill um, but if I don't have the the confidence or the courage if I don't have the so I may have the competence but if I don't have the confidence or the courage, the ability to communicate, the ability to network and connect, right? The connections and then bring my culture of who I am with me, then, then, I, then I'm not, then I may be skilled, you know, the best skilled in the room, but I may not be able to get a job because I don't have all of these other pieces. And I think that that's kind of what we're really doing, especially in, in our and as I focus more on the Latino community, we you know tend to be you know people that are very hum, uh, you know we have humble we're humble people we're we're very respectful and sometimes as much as our passions and our ganas want to get get us to a place, our humbleness keeps us you know not not breaking glass or moving out of our lane. And I think bringing all of these things that you mentioned here, you brought us um, together with, I think really um, this, this next generation can see it, they could be it. And I, and I would, if I were in their shoes, I would want to be one of these titans, right? Thank you. Shoot, if, I may add, <laughs> if I may add to what Guillermo is talking about, you know, in 1986, I conducted my first uh, professional presentation about communicating with the Hispanic community. You know? And one of the things they emphasize there is not only to try initiatives, they are technologically wonderful. Next thing, you know, to apply knowledge, you know, there's the latest or anything. But any of that is not received well if it's not in a cultural, cultural, relevant way you know because for instance talking about what guillermo was uh, was saying you know the culture uh, uh sometimes uh is like a glass ceiling for us uh i i use an example you know guillermo is about how in a for instance in a taco bell <laughs> you have a a, a a individual that you teach them right hey go and uh, if a customer brings a taco back, right, and doesn't like it, go and change it, right? Give them a new one. But many times the, for the Caucasian, let's say, okay, just to use the Caucasian as an example of race, right? it's not a problem. They understand and they just execute. For the Hispanic, many times, they will uh, acknowledge that they have an authority, but before they execute, they go and ask the supervisor, is that okay if I change these tacos for this? You know, and it's not, it's not uh, something that we cannot understand. It's something that in the hierarchy of things, right? We respect, you know, based on age, sex, er, 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 um, contributions to the family, etc. So these hierarchical, you know, uh, things that we have among the Hispanics affects that versus a a, a more. Uh, uh, group of people where everybody can contribute you know this is egalitarian like the american society 
I love I love what you're saying. And uh, as a token Asian, you know, here, um, I want to um, echo uh, that, you know, our experience is very similar to the Hispanic experience. And um, thank you, Ed, for helping, you know, stop Asian hate. And Yerma, I'm sure you worked a lot of Asian professionals in the tech community. Actually. <laughs> and also, like, even going back to our ancestors, um, you know, we're, we're closer than we think uh, genetically. And then that proves that you know, somehow, you know, the Bering Strait and, you know, the connection between America and Asia, you know, we are one people. And um, as, as Dr. Francisco mentioned, you know, there's hierarchy and, you know, I think culture is, like, like you said, reception is the key, right? So, yeah, yeah. And, and the proof of reception, you know, kind of just to drive home the point I said earlier, it is what brings us all together. The more we receive one another, the more we celebrate one another, you know, that is what brings us solidarity, that we are all human beings. You know, we're not the labels that, you know, a centralized authority puts on us. And um, I think, um, you know, even, even you know, every Korean restaurant, you know, we have uh, you know, Hispanic chefs that make um, soups, yeah. soups better than, than, than Korean than I can. You know, I don't even know how to make it. And, all, and at the same time, we all share another commonality, which is spice. You know, we love salsa. Right. Oh, yeah. So without us, there would be no spice to life. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you all for uh, involving me in your community and whatever I can do with my resources, with my technology and just bring solidarity because, you know, we, we are one people. And I uh, just wanted to thank you for inviting me into your community. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I really, really, truly meant what I said in my introduction about all of you. I, I, believe that you're such great tech titans because you all lead with your heart and for me that's that's everything um i don't know if anybody else has any other tidbit to add i just want to add on esco's uh, thoughts and uh, really everyone's which is for me it's it's so amazing and it's so brilliant that a conversation that really uh, focused on technology and, and the expertise of uh, so many amazing titans ended up about about the connection and ended up about solidarity and about kindness and i think uh, really uh, to me uh, i just want to add another layer layer to that which is on labeling as esco said it doesn't matter if you're asian it doesn't matter if you're latino it doesn't matter if you're native american it doesn't matter where you are from. I also want to add another layer, which is the gender uh, barrier, right? That uh, we're facing now in uh, the technology field, Carmen, and, and how you have been uh, such a brilliant uh, female uh, entrepreneur in this space. And uh, I certainly uh, know that there are so many uh, wonderful female tech titans out there that I wish uh, that uh, we have the opportunity to see for uh, the next season. Yeah. And uh, I just want to congratulate you for really breaking barriers and, and, and congratulate everyone for uh, making this a conversation of solidarity and kindness. And that is what the best technology should do. Should Thank do. you so it should much. bring us together. And I'd also thank like you. to add, Carmen, thank you for pulling us together. This is amazing. You and I are lifelong musicians as well. And to Esco, if you bring music and food together, look out. You can, I know. That to me band, has always right been a here. way to reach people. 
regardless of their heritage, regardless of their age, they hear music and they're having food and a great time. You get people to sit down and have a conversation. And that to me is the essence of how we can work together going forward. So thank you all. Thank you, Carmen, so much for pulling thank us together. You. Thank you. There's one, one, one last thing. I had this, this slide. Um, I used to show it to, you know, to all my teams, as Esco said. Actually, Esco said my, my teams were mostly Asian across the world, um, probably, you know, 65%. Right. But, um, but he had this slide, and it showed this person of, um, with a big heart, and the heart was connected to the brain, and the brain was connected to the pocketbook, right? And so if you, if you can touch him in the heart, you will touch him in the brain and the mind. And ultimately that turns into, you know, a profit that would, that benefits all hopefully. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, and I, I thank you for just everything. Every time I talk to each one of you individually or in groups like this, I just, you just make me happy just knowing you and learning from you and hearing about what you're doing for the good of the world. It really gives me hope. Thank you. Um, I do have a homework assignment for you because you read my mind, Gerardo. My next tech Titan is just going to be all females. And I would love for each of you to introduce me, send, send them my way because I will say this. I got you. Um, I try to give out as many invitations, as much guidance as I can. And for whatever reason, I don't get the same response back from women. And it's always been a puzzle to me. There's, there's, we can go into a whole another hour discussion about it, but I do think that some of it has to do with confidence. Some of it has to do with, you know, fear. And as a confidence strategist, that's what I'm trying to help women latina entrepreneurs overcome so if you could send me these women that you all know that would be amazing because i think i'm going to start season five with the tech titans and then two other things i wanted to say we have two birthdays this month so i wanted to wish ed, uh, ed happy birthday this month and gerardo happy yeah. birthday this month thank you so much i'm i'm, I'm, June, I'm june 5th too Oh my gosh, I didn't oh know God. that. <laughs> now it's going to be There you that's go. Three. And, and that's, <laughs> that's just teeing up for the next month, which is the best month. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we all know it too. Guillermo, when are you? July 18th. Okay, I'm the 14th. <laughs> wow. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Dr. Francisco, when is your birthday? December third. Okay, we'll. we'll I, I can we'll I can back. beat all of you because mine is actually today, today. and this is the oh, best. Oh, Gerardo! Okay. Happy birthday <laughs> to you! <laughs> Thank you, my friends. Gracias, gracias. Un Thank you, everyone. And I think we have. A, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Esco, but I think you mentioned something about a VIP pass. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, whenever you're in New York, um, you know, we have my golf course, Manhattan Woods, as you know. Uh, here, here. You're, you're, you're all welcome. Let's have a birthday party at, in New York. Yes. Right? I'm going to be in New Jersey in November. So. Okay. Definitely, definitely. Great. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Esco. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Thank you so actually, much. <laughs> uh, actually, if, if I may just add, you know, 
each one of these topics that we have been discussing today, you know, are extremely important. Because, for instance, Gerardo, you know, uh, and we talk about combining Gerardo's, you know, uh, with Guillermo's, you know, and with yours, etc. Right? And but all of this has to be done in a cultural relevant way, yeah. you know. And and I, what I and no matter whether you see Hispanics, right? With no education of Hispanic with PhD, right? Okay. Uh, as my children said, you know, we may be white outside. But we are brown inside. The family orientation, right? The same thing with the Asian, you know? Yeah. The family orientation, you know? The loyalty to the team, the family, you yeah. know? That will prevail over any PhD, any master's, you know? Any JD, okay? I will not leave you out, okay? Any high-tech degrees. So. Yeah, and I think we could actually discuss, you know, in one session, just each one of these topics, you know? And, 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 and get it involved because... Without those things, it doesn't happen. You know? and to your point, it, it, Dr. Valle, is that I've been involved please, with- Please, Francisco, uh, you may call me Francisco. <laughs> so, so I've been involved with the Santa Clara University Miller Center for Social Entrepreneurship the last three years. And a lot of it is helping people that were, their mentees, but the mentors are a lot of the very, very well-to-do Caucasian high-tech people in Silicon Valley. And so we've put together a, a kit for unconscious bias to help them understand how they can relate to the mentees that they mentor across the world. So, so that's an essential component to, again, having a best practice and, and providing the best resource and direction so that that mentee can scale up his business properly in whatever country they're at. Yeah, great. If I can help you, I have a uh, program that I develop and I test at universities for first time, uh, you know, family, uh, students, they are the first time in the family, right, to attend. Yeah, and I have, I always talk about 10 points that they need to have to surpass their expectations, not their self, but their families. Because if you don't involve the family in this, it doesn't work. So if I can help you, let me know. Oh, my gosh. You all just make me smile. Thank you so much. I know we've gone over the hour a little bit, but I did try to keep it under the hour. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you again. Tech nice to you all. Thank you all. I hope you enjoyed to our viewers and our listeners. I hope you enjoyed our season four finale with the tech Titans, truly remarkable, incredible people. I am so grateful to have you all in my life. I wish you all continued knowledge and wisdom and joy. And I will see you next time on from the ground up and just a little plug. This has been sponsored by Divina.store. Thank you, everyone. I'm Carmen Milagro. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank Bye. you. Hasta la vista. <laughs> Thank you. Adios, adios.